When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there and welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. I'm your host, Adam Russell. Good day, good afternoon, good evening. I am also your host, Ryan Key. Hey, good afternoon somewhere in the world. I'm Nick. (laughs) Thanks for being here. And we are joined by a special guest, Austin Romero, a.k.a. Mike Rome of WWE fame. Ooh, what's up, guys? If we didn't get the Apollo Creed. Oh, a.k.a. I, I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I was so excited for you to go, a.k.a. Mike Rome, a.k.a. the something, something, and a.k.a. I know, I was, I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. A.k.a. the master of disaster, a.k.a. the king of sting, the dancing destroyer, the prince of punch, the count of Monte Fisto. <laughs> Apollo the count of- Creed! <laughs> The Count of Kit Fisto. That was actually very impressive. <laughs> do my best. Uh, I was hoping you'd bring your sick WWE voice and just do it for yourself, but, you know, <laughs> it works either way. You know, the one time I actually introduced myself, I lost my title, so. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not do that again. I literally won a title. I went to go announce myself, and then I got pinned, so. I don't I try. I try not to make a habit of announcing myself after that. <laughs> yeah, it's like a jinx, so. All right, well, now we know. Going forward, we know. And knowing is half the battle. Yes. Wrong podcast. We're, we're here to <laughs> announce for you tonight. I like that. I'm okay with that. You're off the hook, bro. Whew, thank you. Thank you. It's not Monday. I don't know what I'm doing. Take a night off. <laughs> thank you. So as I mentioned, um, Austin is well known in the WWE community as a TV host, or a, a ring announcer. Tell us a little more about what you do for people who aren't necessarily wrestling fans. Uh, so basically I, I talk on a microphone. It's, it's kind of the, <laughs> the shtick. So when you're a host or ring announcer for WWE, you do all kinds of, all kinds of things. You do backstage announcing where you like interview the guys or you'll do like uh, pre-show things or you'll do panel work. But mostly now, uh, I took somebody's place when so I'm the main ring announcer for Monday Night Raw, which means every time somebody goes out to the ring, the voice you hear announcing them is me. I'm 6'2", so I'm not in the ring very often just because I make everybody look small. But uh, <laughs> You are tall. Not muscle-wise. I don't have the muscle. You're a tall fellow. I've got the tall. I've got the, it's the hair. It's just the... It's an optical illusion. It's the height on the hair. Who's yeah. a UFC fighter that's super tall and not, not like shred fest, but he just annihilates everyone? I know who you're talking about, and I can't even think of his name right now. Ugh. He's super lanky. He's got he's got some length on his. And, he, and he, his whole fighting style is. It's funny, Adam, that we've dropped the Apollo Creed AKAs because his fighting style in UFC is like just come at me for as long as you can until you're tired, and then I'm gonna mm-hmm. whoop your ass. Drago style, Rocky, and he keeps everybody at a distance. Yeah, yeah, Ivan Drago, Rocky style. Moving on, Austin, do you have any kind of memory that you would call your your first Star Wars memory? Anything vivid? Oh yeah, that stands yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, when I was, when I was growing up in San Diego, like I remember like my parents were always like, they were actually 
just they loved movies, but I could never they would never let me watch anything. It's like early, super early 80s. And I remember being in my room and I would, you know, I've heard Jaws and all kinds of stuff. And I remember sneaking out one night and I remember seeing Han Solo cut open was it the Tauntaun so that so that Luke could get in there. And I was just like, what is this movie <laughs> that they're watching? And so, like, I snuck out a bunch of times. And for some reason, every time I would sneak out, I would sneak out around the same time, whether it was the the fight before that or that scene. And I would always keep seeing the same, same scene, same scene. And I'm like, I don't know what this is. Like, what am I watching? And so one day my dad uh, set me down. You know, he sat down and he's like, all right, so this son is Empire Strikes Back. And I was like, I don't know what that is. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure. I'd like, I like, he's just like, he said it so like, this is what this is. And then he's like, so we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna watch A New Hope. And I was like, okay, cool. And so then I, I watched everything at that point because Return of the Jedi had just come out. I guess in theaters had come out probably like a year before that or two years before that. So I got to see everything. And then I got to watch return, like basically like it was new and it was freaking awesome. But I thought it was a horror movie when I was a kid because (laughs) for weeks on end, all I kept seeing was the same thing. And I'm like, why do they keep killing this animal? What is happening? (laughs) Like what are these slimy packing peanuts coming out? Yeah. yeah. I'm like, this is so odd. (laughs) Child me just could not wrap my brain around it. And then I remember watching it for the first time and just kind of seeing the whole thing and just like, you know, your mind explodes and then you just go down the rabbit hole and it's over from there. <laughs> so how old were you? What year were you born? I was born in 81. Okay, word. So we're all about the same age. Yeah. So I was a child child. Yeah, I was like a super child. Started me very young, like every father should. We were too. We're old guys too, but we were yeah. we were children right when it was time to be a Star Wars fan. Yeah, of course. Yeah, perfect. Lucky yeah. guys. I was talking to my mom today about just, I don't even remember how it came up, but just about being the absolute right age for all the toys that started with Star Wars, you know? Like after that, oh, yeah. being, you know, He-Man, G.I. Joe, Ninja Turtles, Transformers, like literally everything, so. No, but that was the peak. That was like the yeah. peak of that time of like toys. Like I remember having those like little, like they were like the pewter one, like uh, figures that were like this big and they had the whole <laughs> diorama play sets where yep. you could literally sit there and have the sword fight and then hit mm-hmm. the button and then oust Darth Vader out the uh, the glass yeah. window so thing. Good. Those sets were so awesome. They weren't micro machines, but they were micro machines. Right. Right. Like the company yeah, they micro were, machines didn't make them, correct. but they were miniatures. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they were like those little, they were like little metal pieces. And then the yeah. sets were like plastic and they just yeah. build all these like whole sets of the different scenes. Like they were so cool. Toys. Yeah. We were lucky to grow up in a time of such cool toys yeah. that weren't all digital. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, back in the day too, I mean, I definitely was into wrestling, uh, you know, way more in the 80s and 90s. But is there anyone you would say, whether it's current or in the past, that you would say would be like a good like jedi like a wrestler who would be a jedi or a wrestler who would be like a sith maybe well you know undertaker would have to be a sith right like he would have to be the ultimate sith (laughs) yeah like he would be undertaker would be the guy that so you would like go through the whole movie thinking that this was a sith master but then you would find out undertaker was the guy in the back actually puppeteering (laughs) everything that's how that would be uh as far as like I don't know. I think you'd have to go Hogan, right? Like he's like mm-hmm. the original like good guy. Yeah. If not, it would have to be Cena because the two guys that are like the ultimate good guys, no matter mm-hmm. what's happened, they've never Hogan a couple times has gone the other way. But for the most part, like they've been good for the most of their career. Mm-hmm. I think those are the guys that would drive the force for everybody. Yeah. They have to be. They have to be the Jedis. Yeah. Big ass Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> 
how was was there any like locker room chatter or anything? I mean, I don't know what kind of you know the level of Star Wars fans in in the locker room there, but Sasha Banks being in the Mandalorian, like people talking about that backstage. Yeah, I think I think some people were. I think I, I want to say Mandalorian is just one of those shows like. I think people got kind of disenfranchised after those like last three movies came mm-hmm. back. Like it was hit or miss. One was good, and then the second one was like, ah, and then it was like the third one. And, like people were like, do we go back or do we mm-hmm. not? So when Mandalorian hit, it was kind of one of those things where people were like, uh, maybe I'm gonna give it a, maybe I'll give it a watch. I'm not mm-hmm. sure yet. So I think when uh, by the time you know this last season came around, I think everybody was watching it, whether they say they're fans or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, so people were talking about it. But I remember when the news went and I saw her at TV, I was like, yo. <laughs> Yeah, this is insane. I yeah. was like, yo, did you, did you, and at the time we didn't have Grogu yet. It was still baby Yoda. Everybody was still calling him baby Yoda. I was like, did you meet baby Yoda? She's like, yeah, it was so cool. And this <laughs> and that. She's like, tell me like bits and pieces, like little things. Like, obviously you can't give away too much. Right. Right. And at the time she was only slated for one. So mm-hmm. we didn't know she was coming back for the whole last episode, which yeah. was crazy. You mean the best 40 minutes of television ever filmed? <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, dude. Oh, Dude, how, how was it for you being fully in the wrestling world watching when she finally got to throw down and use literal wrestling moves on screen with Boba Fett in that cantina? <laughs> Honestly, so when I watched her first episode, I was slightly disappointed of the use of her. Like the fight scenes were cool and everything, but that whole last one where she gets to go back and forth with Fett and just the the dialogue there, mm, the yeah. dialogue exchange that happened was just like, oh God, yeah. this is amazing. <laughs> and then they actually like legitimately use wrestling moves there. Mm-hmm. So it was actually, it was super cool there. And then even the, when they stormed the ship was getting to use some of that stuff. It's it's cool to see the worlds merge because I feel like the the if you think of wrestling in the 80s, like you just thought of wrestling. You never thought of any of that stuff up now, but now you've got, you know, guys like Xavier Woods who has up, up, down, down doing like video game stuff and like we're sponsored by video game companies mm-hmm. and like i got i got sent to d23 two years ago and i got to see the mandalorian like get announced from yeah. there and cover it for wwe so it was actually it's cool to see this full circle to now to see one of our own in a show that uh you know that i'm a big fan of and yeah. the fact that she actually is a nerd in those aspects and and, and respects that stuff so it's kind of it's cool to see it like full circle moments like that it's like hell yeah i was i when they first announced her i was hoping for sabine but you mm-hmm. know yeah I'll, yeah I'll take what i'll take what i can get you know? yeah <laughs> yeah she was in the trailer so everyone was like well that's sasha banks who's she gonna be <laughs> yeah it's like oh what's this gonna be? Are we gonna get some rebels up in here let's go yeah. let's go <laughs> in due time I know. I know. (sighs) So let's get on to the meat of the episode. We are going to talk about our favorite lightsaber battles in all of Star Wars. We put out a poll to the patrons. We put down a top 10 and we've got some honorable mentions. It was tough for me because I think of certain things as lightsaber battles, even if we don't have two lightsabers clashing necessarily. So there are a couple big time, you know, top of the list favorites that aren't in here for that reason and some other things. But Nonetheless, we had the top 10. So we'll read the top 10, and then we're actually each going to pick our top three. We'll go three, two, one, and then we will reveal the results, I guess the top three as well, of the Patreon poll. So let's get started. I love you. I know. All right. In no, well, yes, in a particular order, chronological order, here's the 10. The top 10 lightsaber battles. According to us. <laughs> According to us, yeah. These are our picks. The, I feel like these are the obvious ones, right? So, chronological order. Duel of the Fates, 
Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon versus Darth Maul in The Phantom Menace. Yoda versus Count Dooku in Attack of the Clones. Anakin versus Obi-Wan, or Vader at that point, to be technical, mm. in Revenge of the Sith. Ahsoka versus Maul in The Clone Wars Season 7. Maul versus Obi-Wan in Rebels Season 3. Vader versus Obi-Wan in A New Hope. Luke versus Vader in The Empire Strikes Back. Luke versus Vader, the rematch, in Return of the Jedi. Rey and Finn versus Kylo Ren in The Force Awakens. And Rey versus Kylo Ren in The Rise of Skywalker. Dude, I just, as you read them, they played in my mind in their entirety, (laughs) each one. (laughs) And I can't wait until we're done recording tonight, not because I don't want to hang out with you, but because I want to pour another glass of wine and watch some <laughs> lightsaber fights. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. So who wants to go first? If we're going to count down from three to our number one, who wants to go first? Maybe our guest. What do you say? I'll go. Yeah, I'll yeah, do it. I like yeah. that. That's that's not the standard move. I like it. Let's change it up. Let's go. Yeah, let's do that. Um, are we going from three to one, you said? Yes. I'll tell you what. Let's go with... I'm torn right now. I, let's go Luke Vader right now for, as my third. Because I remember in, in the Return of Jedi. Because I remember the whole like full circle moment. I remember coming back to that. And I remember seeing that for the first time. So let's go three. I was just saying I remember that kind of full circle moment. Because, you know, actually getting to watch everything straight through from one, you know, three or four, five, and six. Sorry. And, and just kind of seeing the whole like how Luke started and where he ended up in uh, Return of the Jedi. Like he was such, you know. It's just a whole different Luke Skywalker that we just hadn't seen before, which why Mandalorian is so good. <laughs> um, <laughs> segue. Uh, and just kind of seeing that whole come back around and then their moment together. And like, that was such a, like, it was kind of like a bonding moment afterwards for him too. So like, it was a bonding moment with my dad. So it was kind of just like a thing. And I'm like, oh, him and his dad. That's cool. <laughs> Very different reasons. What a cute moment and death. Yeah, and then he dies. Oh well, with another arm cut off. There you go. <laughs> I was going to say too. Also, it was cool to see Vader go against everything that he like basically had set up at that point, and you know, turn his back just to save his son, which you were waiting for the entire time. Like you know, you wanted him to do that. You wanted him to be just a, the ultimate sacrifice. And then he finally kind of does that whole thing. So it was just, it was the, the whole scene from start to finish. was like a cool full circle moment for there, even all the way to the death. <laughs> it's not just the battle. That's the cool part about that scene yeah. is there's so much more to it. The stakes are so much higher, not just the fate of the galaxy, whatever. It's that family story that star Wars is ultimately all about. And then it is beyond the fight. Like you said, the actual death of Vader, the helmet off, the whole thing. Like, I lump all of that in to one. Yeah. Yeah, the, the death of the Emperor and, like, yeah. his decision to kill him. I mean, that's that, to me, is, it's all the same scene, you know? I mean, I think a lot of, you know, the top ten here, it's not just action, but there's heaviness to all of these. You know, there's there's a weight to all of these. There's something that happens other than just two lightsabers hitting. And I'm definitely including that in my answer, for sure. Hell yeah. Who's next? Willie. <laughs> Willie Key. Man... This is really hard to do. Yeah. Really hard because I think I have two that are really, really vying for the third spot, but then it makes two of them that really want to vie for the other, for the second and first spot. Like, (laughs) right. I really don't know, dude. All right. I think my number three, God, dude, can I have a three A and a three B? No. (laughs) Pressure's on. Mm. Do or do not. All right. I think. I think my number three 
is going to be Rey and Kylo Ren in The Rise of Skywalker. Nice. Because as divisive as those films were, similarly to the prequel films, everybody had something to say, good or bad, but everyone had something to say. When you watch that fight, man, does it not kind of all culminate right there? All the trappings, all the things people want to be complain about, you know, sort of the Disney shine, the Disney like polish, I think is a big issue people have with the sequel trilogy. I remember being in the theater and I love the rise of Skywalker. I have my own issues with it as we have, you know, I, I have issues with, with a new hope. Like you're, you're allowed to have issues with these films as, as far as like what you do and don't like about them, especially when you're as into film as, as we are, you know, and you break everything down and take it apart. But I was already thoroughly immersed in my experience in the theater watching the rise of Skywalker. And as we all know, that film is so just like, you know, it's just like they're jumping from one thing to the next boom, 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 which is honestly a lot of people's problem with it as well was how it was changing scenes so fast or whatever. I didn't mind that aspect of it. That was not one of my gripes with it. But all that said, when we reach this point in the film, everything stops. You can't breathe. Everyone in the room is just, silent and the choreography is insane with the water the like the ocean waves breaking over the broken apart deaths like it's like, epic cinema shit dude dude it is i mean just the setup for it with pre-battle with the deuce in the water is already <laughs> like a, a the deuce in the water you know, producer Drew is laughing so hard because I just said the deuce in the water. <laughs> Who does number two work for? Drew, it's a it's a big old deuce. It's a giant deuce in the water. <laughs> also, also the the in, in that scene too, you're also thinking about where she was in the other films as opposed to where she was such yeah. a badass in that mm-hmm. moment where yeah. she was just like, I'm done. I'm done. Let's go. Well, yeah, she's she's just gone through this experience too of she got into that vault because of her blood. That that there was some some you know dark science. Secrets only the Sith knew, as Charlie from Lost told us, in that door. You know, I mean, that's how she opened it. There was some kind of curse or charm or whatever you want to call it on that door. Everyone, how did she just open the door? Well, she's, they got that Palpatine blood. She opened the door. And so she's just been through this experience and then jumps right into the gnarliest head-to-head combat of her entire life as a, as a Jedi. And I just feel like everything stopped in that moment. And for whatever you feel about any of the stuff in the sequels, you can't deny that scene. And everything that went into it, like Adam just said, like the cinematic just epicness of it with the ocean and the waves and the Finn screaming Ray 30 times in the background. And uh, <laughs> But dude, at the end, force healing him. I, I include that in the scene. Oh, dude, absolutely. Yeah, like, of course. Yeah. She force heals him. He's going to die. She essentially kills him and then. Yes. She murder death kills him. And the child, the only child of the solos is dying in front of her. And she force heals him to save his life. The like most evil bastard in the galaxy she saves his life despite his epic war crimes but that also that sets up her that full circle moment coming back around near the end where he returns the favor you know what i mean like that scene yeah. mm-hmm. sets up everything yeah. yep so it's not just the the lightsaber battle but it's just the whole thing going into it and then what that sets up because if that scene doesn't if that fight doesn't happen if she doesn't do all that stuff then the ending is like i also <laughs> liked how they kind of maintained to the end that ben was more powerful with the force and with his lightsaber ability everything else than her you know that they, they maintained that untrained side of her and and i loved at the end towards the end of uh, you know before leia wins it for them 
when Ray is able to, you know, in essence, kill him, he's like beating the shit out of her at the end. Yeah. You know, and he's kind of hesitating from killing her. That Dude, that's just what's so gnarly to me. He could have killed her at any moment, but he just keeps kind of smacking her lightsaber away. Like, please stop. I mean, he's also got a mad crush on her. That's why. But he's like, <laughs> please stop trying to hit me. It's not going to happen, you know, instead of just being like, all right, I'm done and just taking her head off, which he could at any moment there at the end of that fight. So there's a lot of depth emotionally, I think, and, and character development wise with that fight, but also... If we're just talking about straight lightsaber battles, I mean, if you're listening at home, go go watch that shit right now. It's unreal. So that's my number three. Oh, yeah. I love that pick. Uh, I'll jump in and say this was also my number three. And to add to everything you said, for sure, there's a couple of things here that you didn't mention that I could extrapolate on this uh, this answer here. I think she has kind of had the upper hand in Force Awakens and Last Jedi. She had the upper hand on him. And... This time, like you just mentioned, I think he had the upper hand and she was like tired. She was visibly tired towards the end of that lightsaber battle until Leia kind of chimed in there. So I think he finally was about to win. But like you said, I don't think he was going to he didn't want to kill her. That wasn't in his plans. But she had that that kind of dark side Palpatine moment where she she took that lightsaber and killed him. So I think there's a lot of emotion here. It's not necessarily the best duel, but there's so much weight happening and also the kind of the tide turning where he had the upper hand. And then I just think that there's a couple of things that we haven't really seen yet where they both kind of like do these like crazy, like super jumps, you know, like we haven't really seen that since the prequels. We haven't, you know, obviously technology is the reason why, but we didn't see those in the original trilogy, but they they start to use the force in crazy ways. Like they're they're both of them use their hands to block lightsaber to like that's crazy. Yeah. You know, like that's dude, dude, the the force wind coming yeah. off the lightsabers yeah. in that scene. And then force healing, like you said. So uh for sure this was number three for me, a little bit of a recency bias, but I just like that it was heavy in a way that I would say, you know, could parallel the third movie of every trilogy. Yeah. A lot was at stake in, the, in in this one. I just thought of this too, Nick. It really invokes the first fight between Vader and Luke in Empire. Yeah, yeah. With the wind and the intensity of the environment in that lights, mm-hmm. in that duel, which is never other. Well, I mean, obviously we'll get to the one. I know we will. So I'm not even going to say it, but just the, the trauma and the wind, you know, Luke was so beaten down kind of the way Ray was at the end of that fight. And you know, it was wind and, and like objects flying around where in this one, it's like, it's the water and the intensity mm-hmm. of those waves and everything, but kind of the same thing of like, she wasn't just fighting him. They weren't just fighting each other. They were also kind of fighting through the elements, you know, mm-hmm. to carry on this battle. Epic. All right. My number three is, I guess there's a little recency bias for me as well. Ahsoka versus Maul in season seven of the Clone Wars for a lot of reasons. One being, I'll start with like story stuff. Ahsoka became like my second favorite Star Wars character, period, across the board through, I guess, the last three seasons of Clone Wars. Like I'm, I'm getting like a giant Ahsoka tattoo. It's happening. Hell yeah. And that fight really like solidified the fact that she is, she's like Jedi Council level powerful as a jedi she's a gangster dude she's so badass it's crazy and we know maul is a dude who killed a master jedi and kind of barely lost to obi-wan you know what i mean 
he's super badass. And we see him throughout the Clone Wars just wrecking everyone. And Rebels, you yeah, know. He's, he's on a mission. I mean, the dude was cut in half and he still came back. Like, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. He's no, he's no slouch. So she still has a teenager at that point, right? I'm not sure. Yeah. And what, in oh, Clone Wars? Yeah. yeah. She was still, yeah. Still very young. Like, Season seven, definitely at least barely coming out of her teenage years, if anything. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Ultimately, like, I would say, like, she won. It was close to a draw. But nonetheless, like, just went toe-to-toe with him the whole time. And this is all in the context of, like, what she's experiencing, feeling this disturbance in the force as Anakin has turned. Like, the emotional stakes are super high around her, yet she finds the strength to fight this dude in the, in this crazy scenario. And then also chooses not to kill him. He wants to die. And he's, like, begging her, like, let me die. And she won't, she's holding him with the force, brings him back up. Oh, that's my hair all standing up, bro. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Just... Now, like, it, it makes so much sense to me. She, she's like a textbook example of what a Jedi should be. She really is, yeah. And this is, like, such a great example of that. And then on the, like, the behind-the-scenes side, the fact that this fight was done with motion capture using Ray Park as Maul, the original Maul. And I don't know the name of the, of the stunt woman who did Ahsoka stuff, but nonetheless... It's the most beautiful fight in all of Star Wars animation. It blew me away. So it's my number three. That's a solid-ass pick. That was the one that was also very hard to not choose as number three between the, yeah. those two. If there was a 3A and B, that was my 3B. <laughs> See, that's Go. why it's my second. <laughs> hey. Segway. That's interesting. See, the, the other thing is if you really dig into that even more, if you think about it, Amal never finished. He was still – like he never finished. He never became like the master in that scenario. Like he – like he was always still the kind of the pad one there. And so is she because she walked away from the Jedi Jedi Council. Yeah. So you've got two people who never truly finished their training mm-hmm. and two of the most badass characters in all of Star Wars, which is yeah. just insane. Both betrayed by their respective force teachers. Yep. There's a through line of the most impactful Jedi and, and dark side users that don't finish their training throughout yeah, yeah. all of Star Wars. I mean – the, the most influential characters tend to be the ones who don't finish any kind of formal training. It's true. I mean, I mean ben, ben Solo didn't finish his training. Ray didn't have complete training. Luke didn't have complete training. No. You could argue that Anakin didn't really because he was kind of off on his own all the time, you know, doing yeah. his own thing, never really conforming to the training. But Ahsoka definitely didn't finish and Darth Maul was cut short. And look what he pulled off in his second run. It's just crazy. Literally cut short. It's, a, it's, a, <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. It's a, it's a full-on... Uh, theme i think of yeah the most powerful and and successful force wielders in the story don't see their training through and i'm sure we could explore how that ties into the whole hubris of the jedi and all you know how they think they're holier than thou in the earlier days because they have these codes and these strict things they have to do to complete their training and you lose that sense of like just going on your gut you know so that's your uh, that's your number two. That's who number two works for for yep. you, Austin. Yep, that's my number two. That was this is a solid one, man. Like even like seeing her in the Mandalorian, like seeing actually like live action Ahsoka, like watching her in Clone Wars, watching her Rebels, seeing that. Big fan, big fan. Drew coming in strong as always. Lauren Mary Kim was her name who did the motion cap for Ahsoka in that duel. Awesome, she so badass, great. so good. All right, Willie, number two. Are you guys ready for me to pick my number two? Oh, boy. <laughs> Let's hear it. Duel of the Fates. Nice. Mm-hmm. It's my number two. Unexpected. Number two, a prequel pick from Bill Key, everybody. A prequel Listen, pick. Listen, in other, in other five or six years, we're going to get you to admit that you like the prequels. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Maybe seven or eight years. <laughs> a surprise, to be uh, sure, but a welcome one. <laughs> yeah, um, I could pick Luke and Vader and Jedi because of what it is, and but this is about lightsaber duels. That's what this is about for me in my mind. And for for all that, I was sitting in the theater in '99, going, "What is happening? Who is this kid? What? Why is there so many pod races?" <laughs> yeah, or I had I had read by then by the time I was nineteen, I guess I, I had read the um, Timothy Zahn novels, uh, "The Heir to the Empire," which was set as like the trilogy following Return of the Jedi. I never I didn't read all the comic books and stuff as a kid, but that was that was pretty deep for me to go to read three novels in high school that were not like required for school. I was doing music and other extracurricular activities as a high school student, not going like, I think I'll read right now. Drugs. Um, so I had read those books and that's really when my Star Wars fandom was like, you know, starting to be like, wow, this is something that's really important to me as the prequels were being released. So I was watching that movie just kind of with all that in my head going like, man, this is just, I, I think my general overall sentiment of the prequels just overall Back then, watching them, they just weren't what I expected. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't what I was looking for. It was, it was oh, not fully. the films I was looking for. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> and I'll say that too. It definitely is not what I expected. So that Same. said, though, you're sitting there for a couple hours watching the first one, trying to get your head around the trade disputes and the pod races, <laughs> and then the most epic display of fight choreography known to man is on display and not only that they have lightsabers and john williams coming with like top three yeah. oh my musical God. pieces yes. he's ever written so I, I i vaguely remember going from feeling overwhelmingly disappointed to like oh my god oh my god <laughs> yes. in the theater you know like standing up like this is happening and it's just really high on my list of favorite star wars memories was when that fight started in the phantom menace it like the thing is like that thing was so beautifully scored though like I'm a huge like person of like music and scenes like music takes you to certain places and memories and it's a huge uh, thing when you hear something you get transported somewhere and like I remember they dropped that Duel of Fates uh, music video on MTV which was like the most random thing ever and they 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 released it so far ahead of time and I would listen to it like nonstop and it was so epic I'm like what are they gonna what are they gonna do with this like what is it and I was the same way I waited in line I did all that stuff and I got in there and you just you've got this piece and it's the first time because one time you see Maul before that he flies in real quick and it's just like and then they fly away so you don't ever really get to see the you know anybody fight and then that was the first time you got to see this whole like full around scene and like malls pacing back and forth behind the wall like you're just like this is insane like he's like a caged animal and you know it it didn't necessarily go exactly how i would have wanted it to but it was kind of one of those things where the music and just the whole fight scene was just like exactly what i wanted that entire movie to be i would close my number two with With a deuce in the water. With a wipe. But but, uh, I'll close it out with what we heard. I I actually think there's recency bias for The Phantom Menace and this duel for me because the way that Filoni breaks it down in the gallery season one, how he he just talks about all the the weight of that scene and most importantly, the idea that Qui-Gon felt called to train Anakin and Obi-Wan felt like it was his duty to train Anakin. 
And what would Anakin's path have been if he had had a father instead of just a teacher? You know, Qui-Gon would have been like a father to him. And so when he broke all that down, I was like, okay, prequels, I hear you coming. (laughs) I hear you coming for me. That's why Filoni blew everyone's mind with that whole monologue that he gave. Even people at the table were like, whoa. (laughs) You know, when he was was kind of describing what the stakes were. And it's like, man, when you put it that easily, it's like, yeah, that was heavy as hell. But it didn't really come across anything other than... A cool lightsaber duel in Phantom Menace. The fate of the chosen one. Nick, that brings us to you for number two. This is tough because this is a little bit of a, what came first, the chicken or the egg. So I kind of, I don't know if I'm going to get this right here. All right. I think. No pressure. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm trying to think. Thinking's hard. For me, for (laughs) sure, it's hard. Um, I'm going to say Obi-Wan versus Darth Vader in Revenge of the Sith. Darth Vader slash Anakin there. Yeah. And to me, it's the best like blade on blade action that we're going to see in any of these 10 here. And then how could you go wrong? Like the heaviness of that. Yeah. Ewan McGregor acts his balls off, literally just makes us all cry with how passionate he is about losing his brother there. I mean, it's just the stakes couldn't have been higher and the good guys lost. So you were the chosen a, one. Yeah. Oh, it's, dude. It's just so good. So this one had to be my number two because without this one, my number one wouldn't happen. The music's great. Just the epic choreography being on Mustafar, which obviously like Vader lived on that planet, had his castle there afterwards. Is There's just so much that happened because of that duel on Mustafar that it's probably more important mm, than my number one. But... <laughs> We'll see what you guys think. So that's my answer. If I'm remembering this correctly, they they trained for that fight for 12 months or something. Yeah. yeah. It was some absurd amount of time without even shooting a minute of film, a second mm-hmm. of film. So I hope that it's the best blade-on-blade fight scene. Yeah. I mean, that's just crazy when you watch the behind-the-scenes of them learning that choreography and how long it is. I mean, yeah. that's just, I mean— Austin, you relate to that through through being around and in wrestling as long as you have, right? The choreography of that, like it's it's like for entertainment, but they're fighting each other is what I'm trying to say. So like learning all those moves and putting that passion into trying to kill each other, like that came through on screen, and it was like hundreds of moves. I mean, who knows how many how many individual hits and moves there are in that fight scene? I, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's Googleable. I'm sure it took them forever. Yeah. Yeah, that stuff is crazy, like watching that on a daily basis. So knowing that they had all that and then knowing you have two guys that, you know, the the, the cool thing about that, too, is like the that whole like last moment in that scene kind of plays into all the stuff that everybody said so far as far as like, you know, Obi-Wan was very calculated. He was the teacher. He was the, you know, very like by the book. This is what was going to happen. And Anakin didn't like pay attention to anything like he was kind of off in his own world. And he was just very cocky and arrogant. So like he's not going to listen. Like I got the higher ground. Don't do this. Like it doesn't have to end this way. And then that whole like, oh, God, that just it was just that was that whole thing was crazy. I'm going to go ahead and say that's my number two pick as well. For all the reasons you guys said, I won't go much longer because we've talked about it so much. But it's the same kind of thing where it's it's beautiful choreography, it's intense, it's exciting, and the emotional stakes are through the roof. And there's like there's so much character stuff there too, not just in terms of stakes, but like you mentioned, Anakin being this like fast and loose, kind of just powerful, arrogant type dude, and Obi-Wan being the experienced, calculated, wiser one. Anakin is technically more powerful, but Obi-Wan is more experienced, and that's why he won. 
and we see it just like fully put out there. It's all there, you know? And it would be hard to think of how Lucas could have could have wrapped it up any better. All the stuff aside that people didn't like in the other films or even some of the other Revenge of the Sith stuff, some of the like the romance stuff, all that aside, how better to end it than that fight? It's epic. And then when you add in just the character development in the Clone Wars of their relationship of Obi-Wan and Anakin, I mean, it just makes that scene even better. All right, here we go. Number one, Austin, what is your favorite lightsaber battle in all of Star Wars? Yeah, it was already said. That's uh, It was the Duel of Fates <laughs> one. And, and it's interesting because I'm not a fan of that movie, but I am a fan of that score and I am a huge fan of you know like in those movies the you know in those three films like we saw Yoda flipping around and we saw all this stuff but that was the one scene as far as in that movie that kind of just like you said earlier like it pulled me into that movie like it literally pulled me in and not all the people getting up and leaving in the theater the the four hours I waited in line the whatever it was like you know it's just it, that was like the big that, that was a huge thing and the whole movie was just like Okay, and then that scene happens, and then you hear this beautifully scored piece by John Williams. It is just uh, – that that is the redeeming thing of that movie for me right there, that whole scene, even though they killed one of my favorite characters. Thank <laughs> God he came back. <laughs> Dude, and that scene is the fulfillment of everything that deep imagination rabbit hole that we all went down when Obi-Wan first told Luke about the Force. Yeah. You know, of a, of a different time. Force you know? powers. Like yeah. I said, just everything. Just the elegant fighting styles, the elegant weapons, like just everything, like just so it was just such a beautiful scene. And and at the time, to add another layer on that, Maul with his dual, you know, sabers was just a whole different you're like, What? This is insane. How is this happening? <laughs> oh, dude, you remember the trailer? Remember like yes. seeing that for the first time? <laughs> yes. That was insane. Dude, that, I'm thinking about the the pacing versus meditating and mm-hmm. how iconic mm-hmm. that is. That was and that was something we had talked about before, is like he literally just caged animal he's just pacing back and forth yeah and then, while Qui-Gon is down. meditating and and yep. I you know I, at 99 at 19 I wouldn't have really I'm sure some people did but I that wasn't something I was focused on now when I watch it I, I understand the concept of one's fueled by rage and one's fueled by calm and so sick and did it incorporated everything and just having the the doors close and then fight, 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 door close. Yeah. Yep. It just I don't know it was just one of those cool scenes where you're like all right this was badass I mean, yeah. let's go. Undeniable. <laughs> William Ryan Key, what's your number one? My number one favorite lightsaber duel in all of Star Wars is also a prequel pick. Nice. <laughs> Interesting. Believe it or not. Maybe I'll bump it up two or three years. We're going to get you to like the prequels. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're just breaking out walls. Let's go. <laughs> I'm going with... Uh, I'm going with Vader, Obi-Wan, Hell yeah. Revenge of the Sith. Sick. I, there's not much more I can say that hasn't been said. For as much as I struggle to rewatch those films, I could, I could rewatch that scene a hundred times in a row. I was a huge Ewan McGregor fan early on in his career. Train Spotting is like one of my all-time favorite movies, and I worshipped it when I was a kid. When I was like 16 years old, it came out. So when he was announced to be Obi-Wan, I was already I was so excited about that because I just a lot of people didn't know who he was. I mean, that was, you know, that was a thing with the prequels with the exception of, of some of the, you know, some of the main roles in the prequels were like un, unknown performers, Hayden Christensen, most notably. Right. So yeah, I was really, really blown away when he got the role. So as you said, Adam, him acting his balls off, that's what he does. That's he's a, he's an incredible talent. And uh, yeah, I could just watch him 
going through that that pain a hundred times is just so gnarly. Beautiful. We're going to see it again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we are. Next year. <laughs> All right, Nikki, what's your number one? So this was what I was trying to figure out. I couldn't have my number one without number two. So <laughs> Obi-Wan and Vader had to happen in Revenge the deuce of the in Sith. the water. <laughs> yeah. You can't have your number one without your number two. <laughs> You're already sitting. You got to you just do both of them, right? <laughs> That's how the body works, man. <laughs> uh, uh, we're, we're grownups. So it's, it's Return of the Jedi, Luke and Vader. You know, you can't have... I know, it's, it's tough. Unless Revenge of the Sith. That's literally how I, I rated these. It's like I can't have a number one without that number two happening. So, I like your logic behind it. I yeah, like it. Yeah. That's why I was also trying to not confuse myself because, again, I'm not very bright. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's twofold for me. This is for sure my favorite scene growing up. Return of the Jedi is my favorite movie from when I was growing up. Luke was my favorite character growing up. So that's all been said on the podcast. Great scene. But the heaviness then of it because of us watching Anakin in Clone Wars and prequels. And just you get that fruition of watching Anakin go from a kid to a Jedi Knight, turn to Vader, be Vader, and then right at the end, you get the double meaning, Return of the Jedi, Anakin's back. So to me, that's uh, definitely my favorite lightsaber duel just because of, I like it for different reasons. Different reasons from when I was a kid and and different heavy reasons now. Oh yeah. Well, I'm going to join you. Because that's my number one as well. Yeah. There's just so much that we, we talked about most of it, but I love, just like you said, Nick, we're seeing Luke, the farm boy, reach the peak. He's rocky at the top of the stairs, at the top of the mountain in four. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, he says it in the moment. I'm a Jedi like my father before me. He tosses down his lightsaber. He doesn't just show his power, but he shows the wisdom that he's gained and he shows the humility, all, all of the things that, that a Jedi should be. He displays in those scenes, especially the biggest one for me is it's kind of ironic that this is my favorite lightsaber battle. He refuses to fight Vader for so long Mm. and he then rages at him, ultimately ends up killing him kind of in a a push towards the dark side, but then realizes it in the moment, throws down his lightsaber. I mean, it's just like, it's the full spectrum. It's, it's so epic. And then the scores so dope as well. Yeah. Dude, that choir. Yes. That score. Oh man. Yeah. So that's, that's me. But that's like the whole theme of like Return of the Jedi anyway is that whole like untrained Luke that's kind of been off on his own, like finding his own path out, you know, without the council, without all the the training that he had. So like you didn't really know, like even when he showed up in the first beginning of that movie, you, like he's all in black. Like he's mm-hmm. – you, you don't know – what Luke that is. And then you kind of see he's cocked, like he's more confident now and he kind of knows where he's at. So when you see him in those final scenes, you're like, all right, this is a very different Luke. It's good. And you don't know which, you don't know what he's going to do there. Like you really Mm -hmm. don't. And you're just kind of like, holy, this is insane. (laughs) But that's what makes it so good. We've heard a lot of, you know, older fans who were old enough to really process that kind of stuff when the movie came out, talk about it. Filoni mentions it, thinking Luke could legitimately turn. You know, Lucas sold it that well, mm-hmm. and I love that. That ambiguity makes the payoff all that much better. When you think about, I mean, I'm going to play what if right here. So what if there was that a twist there where he did turn, and it's him and Vader, and they take out Palpatine, and then Luke is like, this is not the way, dude. This is not the way, Dad. <laughs> yeah. You know, like there, there could have been something there. I mean, that's not really how movies were made back then. A, a like double twist would be very 
now, but a twist back then would have been very sick if it, he was like, all right, I'm, I'm a Sith. Me and my dad kill Palpatine. And then Luke's like, psych, we got to be good guys, dad. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why all I could think about when you said the double twist is the Rick and Morty uh, theft con episode. Yeah. If you haven't seen that, it's so yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in. The heist con. Heist con. That's it. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Do we want to hear from the patrons? Of course we do. Yeah. Have you guys seen this? Do you know the results? I do. Usually I don't, but I do tonight. Austin, do you have any guesses? I don't. I don't know. Should I guess? Let's do, uh, are we guessing what their top three are? Yeah. Okay. I think, I, I don't know in what order, but I'm guaranteeing, I guarantee that the three that they chose were named by us. I'll say that. How about that? <laughs> okay. You are correct. <laughs> Good. So we, uh, we didn't get votes from every patron because we are in the process of changing, not in the process of, we have recently changed the Patreon from per creation to monthly. And with the new tiers, if you aren't switched over to the new tier, you weren't able to vote. I think some people are still behind. Got it. So if you're listening to this and you haven't made the switch, make the switch. Those old tiers are going away, so you need to switch to the new Jedi tier, the $15 per month. And we're all going to watch a movie together soon. Yes. We're going to do a live stream watch party. So you, you, want, yeah. you want to do that. So make the switch. Do it. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> you can come, dude. Let's go. <laughs> All right, the number three, voted by the patrons, the number three best or favorite lightsaber battle in all of Star Wars is Ahsoka versus Maul in the Clone Wars Season 7. Love that. Love our patrons. Love it. That's great. That's our people. We're the same people. (laughs) They're very smart. The number two is the Duel of the Fates, Darth Maul versus Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon Jinn. My people. Nice. That makes the number one pretty obvious, right? I'm surprised. You're surprised? I, I'm su- well. I guess then I'm I'm surprised that these were one and two, and that the other one that we've talked about at length was not one one or the other at least. Yeah. Mm. Their number one pick was Anakin or Vader versus Obi Wan in Obi-Wan, Revenge of the wow. Sith. Yeah. Two prequels and a Clone Wars. Wow. We got yeah. a good thing going on here. Yeah, on the yeah. same night that that Bill Key picks two prequel picks. That's just what is <laughs> yeah. happening over here. Big moves. We have uh, a multi-way tie for Maul versus Obi-Wan in Rebels, Vader versus Obi-Wan in A New Hope, which is up there for me, despite it being, you know, kind of clunky mm-hmm. choreography-wise. The fact that Obi-Wan sacrifices himself, yeah. accepts death. And the nostalgia. <sighs> yeah, yeah, he knows, yeah, he knows what he's getting himself into the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's crazy. He yeah. wanted Luke to see that. Yeah. He, 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 he wanted him to believe, like fully believe. And then the recent... Revelation to recent for me at least, he gives a little look Ugh. right before he kind of closes his eyes and accepts it. Dude. The last thing he sees Dude. before he dies. Dude. Is Anakin and Padme's children reunited. Wow. Isn't that incredible? It's just Great. insane. He sees them come into the hangar, they're together, closes his eyes. I didn't even think about that. Puts up the I'm gonna cry. And what's Dude. what's crazy is for us to break that down and see it now. You just blew my mind. It, they weren't they weren't then. Like in Luke in the story, Lucas yeah, hadn't yeah. written them as brother and sister yet. Mm-hmm. Like that wasn't there was still he still had the concept of the of the love triangle. That was going to be a big right. part of this story. And Vader's popularity changed that whole thing and thank thank God it did. But still, you're right. The look is there. So mm-hmm. it allows us to, as fans to go 
you don't even you don't need to think about all that. Like <laughs> it's you can just make it so in your mind, you know. This is the kind of shit that will make me believe in fate and shit. Like yeah, that. yeah. Like it would have been good if Obi Wan was like, "Hey, look, it's your kids," and then ran away. <laughs> <laughs> Deuces, dude. Yeah, that's crazy. That's to think about that. It's crazy, especially a guy who was in hiding that entire time, beating himself up over the mistakes of his past and everything that happened. Yeah. Just to oh, like man. finally see that happen right beforehand. Skiba. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to see how how much more that scene and a bunch of stuff in the prequels is going to be elevated by what they do with this Obi-Wan series. Yeah. I mean, dude. The- <sighs> and an apparent uh, second I, second duel, apparently. Yeah, it's a rematch of the century. I don't know how, any other way to listen. It's we were blessed so with the cartoons, mental, and now all the new stuff is going to be so good. Sick. All oh, right, God. let's let's talk about some honorable mentions. There, there's one big one that was left out. Like I said before, because there are there aren't lightsabers clashing. Ray and Kylo Ren versus the Praetorian Guards in the Last Jedi. Mm. Man, it just doesn't count as a duel kind of, but I mean, it's a battle. It's not on it wasn't on the list. So if, if we're doing favorites, yeah. that's really hard for me not to put it's really amazing. high on on my list. Yeah, it's up there. Just think right now, the music hit, like the hit of when that Skywalker saber lands in Rey's Ugh. hand. Dude, and she oh, looks yeah. up at at Kylo. Like what's better Star Wars than that moment right there? <laughs> <laughs> it's so damn Dude, good. the drop uh so good. And then the scene that follows, the emotional weight in that in that scene, you know that they're fighting with completely backwards expectations about the other. Mm-hmm. They're they're brought together thinking the, the absolute opposite shit, and then when they realize it, oh man! For all the problems I have with that movie, that scene just smashes them all. Yes, and I'll I'll take the blame for not putting this in the top 10 we we had too many to pick from so we had to stick to yeah. 10 and i was like technically i think you're right though technically, that's a pro- it's, a, it's a good call it's not a fight yeah. you know and we could still in this little section here give it its love we love it and then we have well i'll, I'll go in chronological order kenobi versus grievous in revenge of the sith multi-lightsaber 90s kitchen gadget style it's lightsaber porn lightsaber ends, ends porn. with yeah. a gun blast with a blaster <laughs> blast too <laughs> so uncivilized <laughs> yoda versus palpatine in revenge of the sith which is a straight up lightsaber battle mm-hmm. it is lightsabers do clash then they end up you know just throwing stuff with the force ahsoka versus vader and rebels season two or three uh i think it's the end of season two Two. This two season, yeah, right? I think it's the end of season two because that's where they they were on the Sith Temple, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That one, <sighs> that emotional one. stakes there through the roof. I've I've cried for that one for sure. Yeah, I've, that I've was cried. one of those ones because you also have Maul there too. So you're like all this stuff and like they're yeah. talking about this and then they swerve you at the end and he shows up and you're like, oh my god! And you realize it's the first time that she's seen him yes. since yep. all the shit went down and you're just like. <gasps> Yeah, <laughs> and they actually bring in his real voice mixed with the Vader voice. You know, mm-hmm. yes, so and good. The thing like closes around. You're just like, what? No. <laughs> and you also, I mean, sorry for spoilers because I don't think Ryan's watched it. But I you, you kind of, you kind of, most people assume that Ahsoka did not make it. You know? Yeah, yeah. The, I didn't so, want to say that. That's why I was like, the literally, I, yeah. You you just don't know, and that's you're just like wow. This is how mm-hmm. it. It's like that f- another full circle moment there. Yeah. But now we know otherwise. <laughs> we know a lot. <laughs> that's great. 
And lastly, I added this at the last minute, Ahsoka versus Morgan Elsbeth in The Mandalorian. The solid-ass battle. If there's anything to go up against the lightsaber, it's a Beskar staff, mm-hmm. and they fight. That, that, it's a straight-up sword fight. And the, the choreography, the style in that. The and, water garden, dude. It's just, oh, that's yeah, it's just beautiful. Like, we talked about that on that episode. It's just like a samurai film. It's so awesome. Straight Kurosawa, yeah. Anything else you guys w- would throw in honorable mentions? I think we've covered them. Yeah. yeah. That's- we see a lot in Rebels and Clone Wars here and there, but these are the ones that, that stood out. So, one, actually, one thing, one last thing I want to throw in just as like a, a thing, and this is to all the haters. Uh-oh. Listen up. This might not matter. People might still hate, but people talk so much about how Rey didn't have enough training, and this is bullshit. How could she use a lightsaber so well and all this kind of stuff? She's done enough, man. Get off her case. She's badass. One thing I will say about Daisy Ridley and Rey, the character... She's the only one that I can think of in all of Star Wars that actually has a proper katana grip on her lightsaber with the space between the hands don't come together in a proper grip. I watched this breakdown uh, where an actual, I want to say he was like a samurai historian slash swordsman kind of dude was breaking down all martial arts films and talked about that grip. And he pointed it out in the last samurai. I think it was done really well. That's the first time I all of a sudden it clicked everywhere in Star Wars and I went, wait a minute, there's only one. There's only one person that really holds it that way. And uh, it, it's so consistent that it had to have been from the fight choreographer, right? Mm. I mean, there's no way that just happened to be the way she held the thing. So give her credit. Credit where credit's due. She's all well, the Jedi, you know. Listen, I was a we fan. Also, we also covered that burn. We covered, like, they didn't write her and have her have the skills with the staff before she holds a lightsaber. Yeah, they didn't do that for no for, reason. For no, for no reason. Like yeah. she, a handheld weapon is a handheld weapon at at some point, right? It's like you're defending yourself from dying, so you're going to fight with it. And she had skills using a handheld weapon. So especially when you are descended from Ryan, take it away. The greatest Sith Lord of all time. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. Sorry, that's that's a, that's a thing. We're doing a bit. It's a real thing. We got a bit. We're doing a bit. I'm here for it. All right, let's move on. Let's do a little lightning round. Are you down, Austin? Let's do it. Let's go. The major weapons test is imminent. Test phase 94. You may fire when ready. All right, test bay 94. We do either ors, favorite things, and would you rather. Either or. Light side or dark side? Dark side. Dark. <laughs> no hesitation. <laughs> Listen, I always, I always lean. It's sorry. <laughs> all right. Favorite movie in all of Star Wars of the eleven. Start to finish is that like we're just yeah. What's at the top? Rogue One. Rogue One. Yes. Nice. Ryan Key, that's your number two, right? We we align. Yeah, it's my number two. I think. Yeah. I think from start to finish, that is the most polished, full story movie they've dropped. Mm. That is full Star Wars. Yeah, problem free. Don't at me. (laughs) (laughs) Or do. Or do, please. Bring it. Favorite character? Maul. Damn. You went straight to the dark. (laughs) Always. (laughs) Didn't even try to stop yourself. Always. I like my Star Wars like I like my coffee. Dark. (laughs) All right, would you rather 
Would you rather have a blaster that never misses, but you can't move while you shoot? Or have a lightsaber that deflects every blaster shot, but you can't use the force while you're wielding it? Lightsaber. Solid answer. I would rather have a lightsaber all day. How could you not want a lightsaber? Listen, Han was cool with his blaster and everything. It's <laughs> yeah. great. But if you give up taking a lightsaber, like, come on. Yeah. Like, just... Then get out of here. Yeah. Are you even a Star Wars fan if you don't want to hold a lightsaber once? <laughs> so at the end of this question, though, too, it says you can't use the Force while using the lightsaber. So could you still use the Force while you're not using the lightsaber? If I put the lightsaber down? As soon as you put it on your belt, you're good to go. Yeah. Hey, let's go. I'm Force <laughs> pushing everybody away. You could train yeah. really hard in the method of like putting your like closing it hilting just, it <laughs> forcing it picking it back up again like yep, you yeah. could you could get really good at doing both just things get some really good magnets so when you drop it it just goes right to your yeah, waist yeah there you go <laughs> that's a killer loophole we've discovered there you go yeah let's go bring it and you could force pull it from wherever it is so if it gets knocked <laughs> yeah. out of your hand you could bring exactly. it right back exactly all right i like this answer oh yeah all right let's uh let's wrap it up a little bit here what do you what do you have going on what do you want to plug what do you want to tell the listeners about I mean, uh, you can catch me on Monday Night Raw on the USA Network every Monday. Uh, right now, I'm working. Uh, just we just uh, my friend and I we just launched a podcast. It's basically about uh, the nerd stuff that we love. It's called We're Grounded. Uh, it's available <laughs> everywhere: iTunes, Spotify, all that stuff. And uh, great name. It's just uh, yeah. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> we we love coffee, and uh, we've been grounded for the last year, basically in our houses, rediscovering our childhood. Like, and that's and this. Basically, the, the the whole thing of it is like, and he's a huge horror guy, and I'm I carry the other spectrum, and he's a huge nerd too. But I I basically handle all the other side, and uh, you know, we just kind of rediscovered and rekindled our love for the things that we grew up with. You know, whether it be Star Wars or you know comics or uh, video games, wh- whatever it may be. You know, we're, we're the product of the '80s, so that's kind of what we live in, and that's that's kind of what I'm about right now. Uh, so yeah, check that out. I'm on Twitch whatever <laughs> around you can find me <laughs> dope we're grounded great podcast name yeah all right willie mckee you ready for me to bring it home brother uh-oh bring it home with a quote all right quote of the week so in the spirit of favorite duels a fellow named bob anderson mr anderson robert J- <laughs> robert james gilbert anderson born september 1922 past january 2012 was an English Olympic fencer and renowned fight choreographer with a cinema career that spanned more than 50 years and included uh, films such as The Highlander, The Princess Bride, The Mask of Zorro, The Lord of the Rings, Die Another Day, and Star Wars films, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. It says on IMDb stunts for the Star Wars films, so I'm, I'm not sure exactly what his role is. It's kind of hard to find. All um, of them. <laughs> what it really says but yeah he did he apparently he was a legend when it came to fence, sword fighting and fight choreography in kind of the golden age of cinema you know so the headline from the independent where i'm finding this quote says bob anderson fencer and fight arranger for bond and star wars all right and and, and there's a, the picture is mark hamill and david prowse with no helmet on from empire training with fencing swords so very cool so this quote is just awesome for what we've been talking about tonight and it goes like this quote the sword is the ultimate weapon It's not so threatening shooting at someone 20 or 30 paces away or while hiding behind things. When you get into a sword fight, you're standing toe-to-toe with someone who's trying to kill you, and you're looking him in the eye. Now that's thrilling. You're damn right it is. Consider me thrilled. Hell yeah. Pretty cool. Well, I was thrilled to have joined you dudes on this episode. (laughs) Yeah, dude. Awesome. Thanks for uh, 
it's kind of last minute that you jumped in and I, I, uh, we, we appreciate you. Hey man, thanks for having me. I'm glad it, uh, I'm glad it worked out. I, I'll sit down and talk some war of the stars any day. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we've had one repeat guest, so, uh, it's not off the table. So we'd love to have you back sometime. Oh yeah. We'd love for you to be number two. Ooh. <laughs> I'll be your deuce any day. So many number twos on this show tonight. <laughs> uh, I would say, yeah, when, when we get back to doing, you know, some real time content, when the, when the shows start picking up again, we should definitely have you back to cover an episode or I something. Mean, there's a lot picking up. There's a lot yeah. coming. So yeah. we can Busy year. listen. It's the dawning of the golden age of Think the Maker. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. It is a good time to be a Star Wars fan right now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so until then, where can people find you on social media? I am uh, at Mike Rome, WWE, M-I-K-E-R-O-M-E, WWE on everything except for Twitch. I'm beyond Rome. You know, just thought it switch it up for no reason. <laughs> it works. I don't have a Twitch, but everywhere else, I'm William Ryan Key. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Nick Bayside. All of my stuff is at Adam the Skull. And if you're looking for the podcast, you can find us on Instagram at ThankTheMakerPod, on Twitter at ThankTheMaker, and most importantly, on Patreon at patreon.com slash ThankTheMakerPod. Like we said earlier, we're switching over to this monthly thing. If you're a patron and you haven't switched your tier, choose that new tier. The old ones are going away by the end of the month. And then there's stuff. There's stuff going on. So if you want to be involved, you need to do that. We're also launching merch any second now. Finally. <laughs> We've got the site up. We've got four designs to start with that are great. Ooh. They're actually being shipped to our houses because we're we've going to put those blouses on ourselves. <laughs> they are blouses. <laughs> yes. We went we went a little left of center. Blouses for the children. Hey, be They're different. frilly. They're frilly blouses. <laughs> they fit well. <laughs> and if you're listening to this podcast for the first time, or just maybe the second or third time and you haven't pressed the subscribe button, press the damn subscribe button. Push it. So you know when we have new episodes and you can listen to them without any additional work. You don't have to type Thank the Maker in anything. You just press the button that has our cartoon faces on it. This is the way. Austin, thanks again for being on the show. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And until next time, may the Force be with you. 